0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe a difficult place, or perhaps even in a very lonely place, you've come to the right place. Pastor Richard will challenge and encourage you today with a Christmas season message of God's greatest gift, Emmanuel, the hope of the world, as we share the 25 talks of Christmas all this month on Richard Ellis Talks. Now, a reminder that you can always listen to, download, and even share this or any talk with a friend right from the Advent calendar on the website, richardellistalks.com. So, let's jump right in with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis.
1: The title of today's message is Only Fans. (laughs) So, before we get too far into this, I would like to first speak to anyone who is on your search engine. And you typed in OnlyFans for a different reason. But you landed here and you clicked on it and now you're listening. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to encourage you to listen and not to go to the other OnlyFans. Your whole life could take a turn by staying here instead of going there. So you didn't land here by chance, so hang in there with us. So what is a fan? Let me read you some definitions. An enthusiastic devotee, follower or admirer of a sport, pastime, celebrity means to greatly enjoy, appreciate, support or be interested in someone or something. can also be an aficionado or supporter, is someone who has an intense, occasionally overwhelming liking and enthusiasm for a sporting club, person, group or persons, of persons or trend. Fans constitute a fan base or fandom. They often show their enthusiasm by starting a club, blogging, promoting the object of their interest. And it can kind of be traced back in the 1800s to the word fanatic. So even if you're a fan and you're a fanatic, it only goes so far. You're only a fan. I'm a big soccer fan, hard to beat Barcelona fans. If you're a music guy, hard to beat deadheads. Does anybody know what a deadhead is, by the way? Those are all the deadheads. Um, if you you know, there are people that are grateful dead fans that almost think they're part of that family. They just, you know, they follow them everywhere they sing, can get out of hand. Cowboy fans, you know, you got all kind of, and you got to be a fan of the Cowboys because they haven't won anything in so long. So, all right, there we go. So, so when people are fans, people, I'm just saying, I'm a, I'm a fan too, but anyhow. Go to Luke chapter 9. We better go to the Bible quickly. And people can be fans of a church, a pastor, a ministry. But it's the interesting thing about fans. They never really commit. If it crossed some line where you had to say, okay, I'm not just a fan, I'm a what. Then what is that? And what does that look like? And people stay back of that line, especially when it comes to God, his church, his people. So Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he sends them out. Down in verse 6, so they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch, and by the way, there's a bunch of Herods. They're all from the same Herod, but they all named Herod. This is Herod the Tetrarch, Herod Antipas. And his name literally means against all, meaning against all people. His name meant I'm against you. And everybody knew what antipas means, knew that. So he's not a good guy. He does not like the people. So Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, him being Jesus. And he was perplexed. So this is a ruler. He's in control. He's running part of this country. And he's in authority. And yet somehow he hears about this Jesus guy, like something's going on under his realm, in his realm heard what was done by him. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John, meaning John the Baptist, had risen from the dead. Now, why would that bother him? Because he got John the Baptist beheaded. Some chick dances at a party and his mom says, you know, we want the head of John the Baptist and they have to behead John the Baptist because he offered them whatever they wanted up to half the kingdom, I think. So some people say, hey, it's John who you beheaded. He's back from the dead. That could be a problem. And by some that Elijah had appeared. So it's maybe this Old Testament prophet named Elijah, who he might have known who that was. And by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. So it's not just some random person out there. John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the other prophets. Herod said, John I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And then verse 9. Then in that verse, so he sought to see him. So now all of a sudden, he's some kind of fan or curiosity seeker of Jesus. And you say, well, that could be good. He's curious about Jesus. He wants to find out about Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. And you think, well, couldn't he just send people out and demand that he come in? He didn't do that. So keep reading down in this verse. In this chapter, Jesus feeds 5,000 men. And that doesn't even include the women and children in the count. Um... Plenty of food left over in verse 16, took up five loaves and the two fish, blesses them, breaks them, gives to everybody Ate and they were filled. And there were 12 baskets of leftover fragments, which were taken up by them. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him and asked them saying, who do the crowds say that I am? So what do you mean the crowds? He's got crowds everywhere. Jesus went, people flocked to him. Sometimes they just, they were like, Hey, he could feed us. All you got to do is give him a sack lunch and he can work a miracle and we don't have to work, we don't have to go buy anything, he'll feed us. So some were there just for the food. But he had these crowds and his question was, who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, like Herod had said. They think you're John the Baptist because that's what was out there. But some say Elijah. So they're repeating to Jesus exactly what Herod was hearing. And others say one of the old prophets has risen again. So that's the word on the street. This guy is either John the Baptist back from the dead, Elijah back from the dead, or one of the old prophets back from the dead. They're not sure who he is. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Okay, that's what they think. What do you think? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. And that is the answer. He is the chosen one. He is the Messiah. He is not John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the prophets. He is Messiah, the chosen one, the Christ of God. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. Now, I thought that was the whole point. Now it is now, but back then he had his reasons. Saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. That is the gospel. And I've shared this before. Multiple times Jesus talks about, this is where we're going. This is what's going to happen to me. Suffer, be killed, raise the third day, over and over. And not a single one of them was waiting at the tomb for him to be raised from the dead on the third day. And he'd already told them that. Then he said to them all, Now, here's the contrast from a fan to what he's talking about here. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. There is a difference in being only a fan or being a follower. You gotta be a follower or it's not gonna work. Oh, I like his teachings, good for you. They're true, but are you willing to apply them to your life personally? So his answer is, okay, so you say I'm the Christ of God, okay? Then if you want to follow me, if you desire to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. So you say, I want to follow Jesus. You cannot even engage in the process until you deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow him. So if you're not a denier or a cross bearer, you are not a follower. I am not a follower you say, but I'm a Christian, I get that. You can be a Christian and not be following Jesus. You're just a fan. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Other places it talks about will find it. You lose it, you find it. So you're holding on so tightly to this life you've created and what you're chasing and your plan and your dream and what you've come up with, it's gonna work. And then you're gonna get to the end of your life and go, what happened? And even if you don't do it, then you'll die and go, oh my gosh, I was such a fool, I wouldn't listen. So you wonder, well why do preachers get so passionate? And they should. There's a reason, they're trying to warn you. There's a heaven, there's a hell, there's a better way to live. And you say, well if I choose this way, denying myself, cross, suffering, follow Jesus, I'm gonna have all kind of pain. You already have all kind of pain. Your sin results in nothing but pain. You say, no, I'm having a big time. Let me follow you around for a week, a month. I'll show you lots of pain because it's all about you. And you have to use people to take care of you. You have to be selfish. You do all the things that happen naturally to people. That's all they are. Well, no, I'm nice. Sooner or later, you won't be nice because even Christians that are not following Jesus aren't nice a lot of times. Follow me around. I'll show you not nice. I still got capacity for it. And then verse 25, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his father's and of the holy angels. I am not ashamed of him or the gospel because it is the power of God into salvation to those that believe, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Jesus is Lord. I don't have any other way to make it but him. And I have no reservation about saying that. True followers of Jesus live lives of obedience to his word and the filling and leadership of the Holy Spirit. As a result, they share the gospel, they serve, they sacrifice. The life of Jesus is manifest in and through them. Go to Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. No, he's not just some guy. This is a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So this little town of Jericho, everybody in town knows who Zacchaeus is. He's a tax collector. You'll find out later he's a cheat. He's robbing people, and he's rich. And the reason he's rich is because he's taking their money, but he has authority to do it. And he sought to see who Jesus was. So here's this lost guy. We know because we'll see in a minute he got saved. He lives in this town, he's doing this job and he hears that Jesus is coming through town and in his brain, he's a fan of some kind clearly because he sought to see Jesus but could not because the crowd for he was short of stature. There are so many people, Jesus is in this crowd and he can't see Jesus because he's a little guy. Nothing wrong with that. There are songs about it, but they're not true. Short people do have somebody. And so he's like, I can't see him. I can't see him. I can't see him. He's lived with this problem for a long time probably. So what's his solution? Now, this is a dignified, rich guy in this town, chief tax collector, so desperate to see this guy, he does what? So he ran ahead. The crowd's moving this way that I figure they're gonna go down this street, wherever they're going. He runs ahead of the crowd, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. So he's smart and said, I'm gonna get ahead of the crowd, climb this tree, and then when he comes by, I'll at least get a glance of him. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, now, if you don't think this stuff would freak you completely out, if Jesus is who he says he is, you think, well, if Zacchaeus understood who he was, he would say, well, sure, he'd be talking to me. But if Zacchaeus feels about himself, chief tax collector, rich guy, he just wants to get a glimpse, how does this man know my name? Zacchaeus, make haste, hurry up, come down. For today... I'm going to stay at your house. We're going to your house, Zacchaeus. Now, what do you think that whole town, that whole crowd, following Jesus around, especially if they're from there, what the is going on? He clearly doesn't know who this little guy is. He's going to his house. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. So that tells you, it's not like, oh, no, thanks, sir. I just climbed this tree to get a glimpse of you, but have a nice day. Bye-bye. You know, it's not one of those. He comes out of that tree joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. What is the last time any of us got accused of that? You say, well, I'm, I'm a believer. I try to spend my time with believers. Yeah, just a bunch of locked up salt shakers doing Nothing. Your deal is every day to say, okay, Lord, here I am. Let's go. He says, okay, I'm putting you on the table. Anybody's going to pick you up. I'm going to drop you in some crazy places. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. And then all of a sudden he tilts it over and you're, ah, you know, you're going in a pile of food somewhere. He said, well, I'm going to get lost in this pile of food, but they're going to taste him. They won't see me. That's not the point. It's not to see you. It's to taste him. And then he takes you to some dark places. You got to be careful. Don't go by yourself. And all of a sudden in a dark place, there's light. How's there light? Because you are the light of the world. That's what he said. Jesus ran around with a lot of lost people. Why do we not know lost people? If you work with lost people, number one, do they know you're a Christian? I watched the U.S. Open. And this you may hear this message down the road somewhere. But when Coco Golf won the U.S. Open the first time, I'm sure there'll be many other ones The camera couldn't get off over quick enough She won She sat down in her seat by the court And then she turned She got up and spun around And got down on her knees And began to pray And the camera took off I searched it Coco Golf praying U.S. Open Not a single picture There's hundreds of photographers They won't report you praying But sooner or later They can't hide from you If that's who you are Right? I'm not talking about being mean, pushy, judgmental. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about being salt and light, loving on people, being gentle, kind, being Jesus. What would you know, everybody said, what would Jesus do? Here's what he did. I'm going to your house. And the whole place goes, What? Verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, So they're in his house. Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. So however he's rich, however much money he's got let's say he's got half a million bucks, 250 grand here to the poor. That's a changed life right there. Because if you're all about money, you ain't doing that. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now you say, well, how's he going to do that? Because he's a crook. He's got record of it. Oh, I accused that guy not paying his taxes and I took his money. So he goes, dude, here's four times what I took from you. You think that's not a changed life? And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham, meaning his faith was counted righteousness. Jesus hadn't died on a cross, been buried, raised from the dead yet. So, but he got saved that day because of his faith. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus went from being only a fan to being a true follower of Jesus. You say, well, what do you think happened to Zacchaeus? I think he followed You say, what if he didn't? I don't know. Is that going to be your story? You're going to choose to follow him and then ditch? Is that your story? Are you back to being a fan now somehow? Luke 23. Just keep reading through this. Verse 1, then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. So he's been arrested, and they began to accuse him, saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. He didn't do anything, you know, that's true. Then Pilate asked him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, it is as you say. So it's a backward way of saying, yep. So Pilate said to the chief priests of the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. As soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, what does he do? Now, if you were to go back to Luke chapter 19, you will see that Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a colt, full of a donkey, and the crowds are screaming what? Hosanna, Hosanna. Praise God!" With a loud voice. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That fickle fan club, about to turn on him. As soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he's like, okay, this is not going to be my problem. He sent him to Herod, the same Herod, who back a few chapters before, so he sought to see him. So what happens to Herod? Send him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now look at verse 8. Now when Herod saw Jesus, and this word for saw Jesus, saw him, it means to behold, to delightfully view, to scrutinize, look or to look with the intent to examine like he's looking him up and down like finally I get a look at this guy. Who is this guy? He's not just looking around, he's looking at Jesus. He's got him in his presence. So when he saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, and it means exactly what it says, he's blown away like, oh my gosh, I got this Jesus guy right here. For he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him, and this is where it goes sour, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Do a trick for me, Jesus i to see him for a long time, heard a lot about you. Do a trick for me. Do a little miracle, something. Let me see what you got. Bring him some bread, Bring you know, whatever he wanted to see happen. Verse 9, then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Isn't it interesting how fans can go fickle just like that? And by the way, where I were on the word fickle, it means changing frequently, especially as regards to one's loyalties, interests, or affection. Is that you? Are you a fickle follower? Well, I'm not just a fan, I'm a follower. Then am I a fickle follower? Or am I a faithful follower? And no matter what, I'm going to follow him. You can go back to, and I'm not putting Peter in this category, but it sure got weird by the fire. Aren't you one of Jesus guys? No second time somebody i'm sure you are now he starts cursing and saying no i don't even know the guy i don't want to be that person don't be that person that's like a kid who says hey mom could you drop me off a block before school because i don't want anybody to see me get out of this car and see you i'm embarrassed by you and our car and the whole thing i'm not your kid anymore just drop me off and i'll walk you ever do that to jesus hey jesus I know I got to take you everywhere I go, but i tell you what, I'm going to this party. Could you just wait in the car just this time? I got some stuff I want to do that you're not going to like. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want you to feel awkward. I don't want to feel awkward. Why don't you just stay in the car? There's the only problem with that. He said he would never leave you or forsake you, even if you try to leave him and forsake him. So now everywhere I go, he goes. Everything I see, he has to see. Everything I think, he's aware of that. If that ever makes any sense to you for real, it'll freak you out a little bit. It should freak you out a lot. And then the Bible talks about we all got a detail of angels. Okay. So I got Jesus, the Holy Spirit on the inside, and my angels. And I go, okay, you guys, everybody, please close your eyes. La, 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 and act like you don't see or hear this. I'm about to sleep with this girl I'm not married to. Or this man I'm not married to. Or I'm about to steal something. Or I'm about to shoot something up. Or about to smoke something. Whatever your deal is, whatever my deal is. What do you think they're leaving the room turning their backs he won't turn his back on you if you turn your back on him now you say but what if i've done all that and i do all that he's merciful he's kind but it is his kindness his gentleness that leads us to repentance so sooner or later it should result in repentance a change of mind i am not going to live this way anymore and you say but what if i don't repent you will repent or you'll die you'll run out of time Because he will continue to allow things to happen to me and to you. Consequence, consequence. The dial gets turned. Because he loves you, he's going to increase the consequence so you will finally say uncle, so you can say father, and get on with your life, which is his in the first place. So Herod turns on him. His men of war treat him with contempt, mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. And then they go on and crucify him. The last scripture I'd like to refer to is in Mark chapter four, verse 18 and 19. And it's the story of the seed and the sower. And it says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So there's a couple, two or three kind of people listening Right now, some will hear it and go, "Wow, that was interesting. Ah, I'm a fan of Jesus, and that was really interesting." Nothing, maybe not even a Christian. Then there are Christians who hear all this, and the Holy Spirit who lives in you, or you can't be a Christian, begins to convict you. The Scripture starts to speak to you, and you're under conviction, and you realize something's got to change, and so you get all stirred up and bothered, and you leave, and you think about it, and then the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things creeps in, chokes it off. You don't even think about it by tomorrow, maybe by the later today, it's gone. But then there's some seed that falls in really good soil and takes root and starts to bear fruit. Don't be only a fan, be a faithful follower. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow him. Make disciples, know their names. When you leave the planet, know who you leave behind. You followed
0: instructions, you're ready to go because you've left people ready to go. Thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We hope you're encouraged by Pastor Richard's unique way of challenging us to become more like Jesus, especially during this holiday season. You know, that's the goal of this program and the goal of Richard himself, to be God's hands, feet, and voice to help us grow in our faith journey and to become a reflection of Jesus to our neighbors, our community, and the world. You know, when you open your heart and life to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that's the beginning point of the most amazing journey you'll ever experience. But it's also a journey that we want to join with you. So we'd love to hear from you, whether you've been on this faith road for a while or just getting started. The website is richardellistalks.com. There's a prayer wall to click on so you can share how we can come alongside you this holiday season. Also, during the 25 Talks of Christmas this month, it's a different holiday-themed program each and every day. So if you miss any previous Christmas talk, just click on the Daily Talks Advent Calendar to listen to, download, or share any of these Christmas talks. It's right there at richardellistalks.com. And finally, a quick reminder that you can automatically receive a direct text on your phone each and every morning that will link you to the most recent Christmas talk on the website. Simply text the word Richard to 855-6-RICHARD. That's the word Richard to our toll-free number 855-6-RICHARD. So until the next of our 25 talks of Christmas, we love you. We're praying for you, and we thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.